now, say now. You're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here at the Momentum Studios. Myself, Spencer Shea, back again. Gots to know it. <laughs> Gots to know it, baby. Gots to know it. Glad to be here with you all. Starting off with win shares. Um, we record on Thursdays. We release on Fridays. Terminator timeline, as Spencer likes to call it. Um, but my friends, right after I get done recording here, I'll be over at Bible Club, but my set will be over before you actually get to listen to this episode because you'll hear this on Friday morning. Um, but I'll be there Thursday night, tonight. Catch me there, June 15th. But for those of you that are able to hear this episode prior to my next set, I will be at Lulu Bar Friday the 16th, which would be tonight for many of you that's listening on day one of this episode. Because why would you not listen to the episode as soon as it gets released on a Friday morning? Um, and then Saturday, I'll be on the rooftop at Export Rooftop Bar and Lounge. I feel like it's been a while since I've been there. I was there at the beginning of the month, and I'm not there as frequently as some of you may recall who have listened to this podcast for about the last year or so and have been listening to these wind shares. It used to be kind of an every weekend spot for me, but I'll be there this weekend, 6-17, Saturday, and then Sunday evening, I'll be back at Bible Club, Pounce's Playground Residency, it's been an absolute vibe. Appreciate everybody that's been coming out. I've been surprised by so many different faces. Just, you know, people that's like, I'm going to get out there this summer, and y'all really are coming out already. And this has just been the first couple of weeks of it. So <laughs> we still Pardon got me. plenty more to do. Um, summer hasn't even technically officially started, but it's coming. And uh, also, on uh, Juneteenth, June 19th, obviously, Monday, I'll be doing a set alongside uh, Motaz and Earn One at Dirty Pretty. Um, it's another, like, patio vibe here in the city of Portland. Uh, I'll probably get on at about 7 o'clock, um, but it'll be super dope to be able to mix in with two other DJs here in the city. Um, the, the proceeds will be going to SCI. Uh, it's an organization that that works with young black, black youth here in the community. community. And it's a very well-known organization here that works with young black youth in the community. So super dope. Kitchen Killer, who's a who's a professional chef here in the market. Um, she's been a chef for some of the Blazers. She'll be providing the food for the night as well. So come out and pull up. If you want a place to come celebrate, kick it, listen to some good black music on Juneteenth. We will be at Dirty Pretty. So it's the best kind. A, a, a pretty loaded weekend here. Every night we get into it, and I wouldn't. Want to have in any other way, Spencer? You got any win shares, my man? Dude, I'm, I, I'm, I. It doesn't really matter to anybody but me. But I have three hole in ones in disc golf in the last like 14 days. Talk about it. <laughs> Talk about it. Not it, man. This is a sports show that never talks about it's, disc golf. Uh, it, look, well, I'll You're I'll our resident it. disc golfer, well, and you look. never come on here and talk about disc golf. I, I don't do get. I don't understand what you're doing with your platform over there. there. I'm out because you're out there every morning, but you never tell us I, about that's it. That's right. Well, well, I, like I said, I have three hole in ones in the last. It was it was a it was a 13 day span. Okay. So that's what I'm running with so far. So right now I'm just like I don't think another one's going to come cuz you know good things come in threes. If you yeah. play go- <laughs> if you play golf, if you play golf, man, if you play golf, yeah. you know that it's a game that really reflects how you're doing in your life. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like Say you more. you will play the game or the round of golf that you are I think emotionally mm. like in in your life. Okay, interesting, so like- and, and and I want to talk about that too because I'll be in a celebrity golf tournament coming up. Okay. after after your disc golf rant, I want to talk. <laughs> I'll talk about that celebrity golf tournament piece. But I'm not a golfer like that. I don't right. really go out and golf I do like play, that. I do play ball golf too, though. So just but for the I do hear that golf is more therapeutic for a lot of people. Like yeah. a lot of people go out and play golf because they might have physical limitations that stop them or don't allow them to do other sports. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard a lot of people that like to go out and golf because of the sort of serenity aspect of it, um, being able to go out and and just find peace. So with that, if you're coming onto a golf course in a state of mind that's not the greatest and you're coming here to escape that, is that, you know, does that kind of correlate with, 
your mood or your emotion I actually think... being kind of the round that you end up ultimately having? And can that just take your mental health or whatever kind well, look, of dude, barriers I... you're overcoming that led you to the golf course for well, therapy? Here's the thing, though. <laughs> you, you get an opportunity. That like it, golf is all about opportunity, uh-huh. where every shot is an opportunity to try to make something really, really good happen. Yeah. And if you're holding on to what happened at the last hole, you're never going to play well. <clears throat> so, sorry, excuse me, I lost my voice over the weekend yeah, messing yeah, yeah. with you. In yeah, fact, fine. at Bad Bible Club, we had a good time. <laughs> what can I say? We had a good time. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, like you can, it's just you can change your trajectory of how you feel based on that round, or it can. Or it can destroy you if you feel, you know what I'm saying? You play badly and it affects just, it just affects who you are. The game is so cerebral, but I mean, you watch, bro. You, you know, you laugh at disc golf now, bro. You, but you watch. I'm not man. laughing. I'm, I'm no, asking. A lot of people, a lot of yeah. people don't recognize that, like, you know, just like the game of golf, ball golf, it's a game that allows ex athletes, you being an ex, I mean, at least, not in your career anymore. Yeah. That allows you to still compete at a really high level, but you don't have the impact on your joints yeah. and your body as you get older that you would if you're playing basketball or football or whatever. Right. So as it gets bigger, I just feel like it's gonna it's gonna just be a haven. Like you said, I think that's a really good way to put it. Like a like a place of serenity mm-hmm. from like a sporting place. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. because man, everybody needs confidence in their body. You know what I'm saying? You need to continue to have you know, to get confidence about being in your body because being in bodies can be really uncomfortable a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? For so sure. like golf is just a good game to be able to have that, you know, relationship with your body for your entire life. Yeah. You can't go play, you know what I'm saying? Go to 24 hour fitness and play five on five with a bunch of 25 year olds. Yeah. yeah There's yeah, a yeah, point yeah, yeah. where it's like, it just tough. take a seat. Now here's my next question for you. You just said you got three hole-in-ones in the last 13 days. Yeah. I never hear about people getting three hole-in-ones in 13 days in stick golf, if you will. No. So It's easier to get hole-in-ones in, in disc was, golf, that's for where sure. I, was going. I mean, just out of sheer distance. I mean, you're hitting golf yeah. balls hundreds of yards. For sure. And I think, like, the world record right now for distance in, in disc golf is, like, somewhere around officially 700 feet. Which is an incredibly far. Right, I, my, right, two, right. my aces were two hundred footers. Yeah, but it's but but the way that it's tight is, bro. You don't even understand. I I called the ace. Yeah, I went yeah, out and yeah. I said, I know I'm going to get an ace today on hole three. Boom, I get an ace. I leave the course. Yeah, I, I I come back with my friend three days later. I'm walking up to that hole and I was telling her the story. I'm like, yeah, this is what happened. I I took the disc and I boom and I threw the disc and I got the hole in one again. Right on that hole again in that moment. So. <laughs> Back to back on that hole. Yeah, it was pretty insane. That's bro. crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and speaking of golf, low key golf. Yeah, six twenty five. I'm pretty yeah. sure my friend. If you want to talk about wind shares, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're going to be there. Oh yeah, I'm be at Bible Club six twenty five. I'm there every Sunday, by the way. But the way it works is Sunday evenings. I'm always there from like seven p.m. to ten. But there's also an act and a performer there from three p.m. to six p.m. So there's some Sundays where I'm not the 3 p.m. performer, but every Sunday I'm the 7 p.m. performer. But then there are some Sundays where I'm the 3 p.m. performer, which extends out into my 7 p.m. performance, and I'm out there DJing for about six, seven hours. So yeah. it's just vibes all evening, if you will. And so, and yes, that's a long DJ set, but I enjoy every bit of it. I like the venue. I like DJing. I like being able to just... It's a sonic experience. It's like a seven-hour ex- sonic experience for me, which is therapeutic in its own right. And so 625 low-key golf brand LTD right. uh, wear is coming out, and they'll have a pop-up, and it'll yeah. be a bunch of different merch stations I'll that be will be there. there. Play for Play par. for par merch. I'll be out there. Your, your you wanna, merch will be there. I'll, be, I'll probably be handing T-shirts out for free. We're going to have, like, little putting Games set up with some rollout greens. Yeah, and we and got Connect Four. We got Jenga. We, we got Dice. I play all kind of stuff out there. So come and see me. You don't want to, but you can. <laughs> we kick but it. But we're gonna be talking about golf. It's gonna be a golf event. Golf DJ. So come, yeah. come out. We kick it hard on that patio, man. So Bible we'll. Club. We'll definitely have that. But, yeah, no, man, like I said, I need to actually get out on the greens here at some point in the next couple weeks because I'm going to be in a Kanzano Celebrity Golf Tournament this year. So I I love it, man, because it's it's crazy because when I was an intern for the Ball Face Truth, it was – 
I was a volunteer, basically. I was doing kind of what you would call the dirty work, even though it was fun work. And I made it even funner, and it was an absolute hit that uh, that day out there at the Reserve Golf Course, which is one of the best golf courses in the world, as far as I'm concerned. The Reserve is had a lot of huge golf events there. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, and so that's where it'll be at this year again here in a couple weeks. But I... um. I'm not a I don't golf straight up top golf is about the most you'll get out of me and I don't go there frequently so you know I was an intern doing that then then I ended up getting a radio show at 750 the game so I golfed a bit during that but I also had a segment where we did our show live from the golf tournament I remember that yeah so I was I, do I was doing that. a live that was, that was radio show from yeah it was years ago we were doing a live radio show at the golf tournament but this year is the first time I haven't been to the golf tournament in some years this year is the first time back. where I'm back. I'll be out there golfing with the celebs. So Tight. it'll be super dope to be a part of that. Oh, you're going to – you're going to – I'm golfing okay. in the you celebrity golf tournament. Toast, brother. <laughs> you are toast, brother. Hey, man. Hey, man. You better get yourself to a driving room. Uh, yeah. If anybody out there, DM this man with some Yeah, tips or man. Something. I he need is, all your tips and tricks. You're not going to be able to just, like, talk your way and get people know, to be like, oh, he's, he's down – now you're going to have to swing that Yeah, thing. <laughs> I'm going to have to swing that thing, man. I got my brother coming out there she, with me, though. He she, works at a golf course, so that helps out a little bit. You know what hey, I mean? Man, He's a might, golf freak. You might want to use him as a body double. Yeah, because it's going to be uh, – he can play. He, he for yeah. sure can play. And there's going to be some <laughs> other people out there that can play. I can just drink. You know, so uh, I, I will, hey, that's half a golfing. Yeah, you know what I mean. I could just drink, so I'm gonna go out there and golf it up and drink it up and and donate money to the cause. How about that? Hell yeah. It's a beautiful cause, man. It's it's uh you know the cause mainly goes to the camp that he does, Camp Exceptional, which is like a super dope camp. Um, there's special needs kids that collaborate and do like sporting team at team sporting activities with kids who aren't necessarily special needs. So it's a good way to get everybody to collab and be a part of one team with one mission, helping each other and getting through life together in that kind of a way and forming that bond at the youth ages is is super dope to me. I think it's a very clever idea for a sports camp. And so it's one that I've always loved. I've, I've volunteered at it. I was an intern for him. I've been at it. I, I, I've just gone out there to hang out and it's a great camp each year. So this golf tournament kind of like helps fund that. And that's a, a camp that he does every year. And then, of course, just his foundation does work all year long. And this is like his biggest event, you know, as a fundraiser event for the Bald Face Truth Foundation. So I'm excited to be back, man. I get to see a lot of old faces that I haven't seen in a while since I worked at 750 and was, you know, interning for Canzano. So it'll be dope to see a lot of folks out there. You'll have... You know, different coaching staff it's from uh, colleges and professionally as well that'll be out there golfing. And it'll just be a good time, man. I'm excited to get out there and drink it up because yeah, I know I'm going to stink it up on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> Drink yeah, it up sure. and stink it up. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna do out there. You'll fall in love with it though. No, yeah, it's yeah, fun. It's good. Will. For You'll sure. Get I, I can see you getting hooked on golf for sure. Yeah, I can. I can yeah. see that. I can see that being the case too. So I'm excited about it. Maybe that'll motivate me to get out there and golf more this summer. Mm. Um, Jokic is the Finals MVP. The Nuggets is are the NBA champs. We knew that would be the case when we recorded this episode or this podcast last week. And we both said in six. <clears throat> I mean. They yeah, gotta, yeah. Gun to my head, though. It's like, come on, Jokic is just too good. Man. <laughs> He's too good. Let's talk Dude. about it. What oh. does this mean? Let's let's just have the the basic <laughs> national conversation. I know y'all don't usually come to this podcast for this because we like to discuss more to specialized yeah. topics that you know can relate to things that we're actually doing. But in the postseason, I always say I'm willing to talk about in between the lines during big games, especially a championship in this case uh, for Joker and, and the Denver Nuggets. Um, but anytime there's a big game, like we are still sports broadcasters here, okay? We're going to talk about it. But I don't want us to have a podcast that's predicated on that, only for special circumstances. I believe this is one. So what does this do for Joker's legacy? You're not going to say he's one of the great – you're not going to say he's – top five big men because that's that's the first conversation that you have 
where does he rank among big men? That's the yeah. one that's, I mean, it's still being ironed out because I don't think that you're going to say he's top five with one championship yeah. because of the value of the rings. But I mean, I was listening to the low post as I always do, you know, diligently and religiously. And, and Zach, you know, he, he put the numbers out pl- pretty plain, you know, in the playoffs, this dude's top 20 in points, rebounds and assists all time. Mm. That's right now. Yeah. In, in it's like 68 playoff games with a championship. So he's 27 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Denver Nuggets are a team that is set up for success moving forward forward without a lot of move without a lot of moving parts. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, he is if I have to just finger on the trigger, he's probably going to go down as the best big man like of the modern era because, because, because dude, he, he, what he, he, Shaq's dominance is the only sort of obstacle that as a big man that you have to hurdle that that's not named Tim Duncan because Tim Duncan has the rings Mm -hmm. to back up any other, because, you know, you're, you're going, oh, Bill Russell, had, I'm talking about modern era. The rings is what matters the most where Tim Duncan is in that pantheon. But skill-wise? Kareem's modern era, right? Yeah, Kareem's modern era, and, and, he, and he's another guy. That's why he's not in top five yet, because he needs the rings. But, I mean, I'm sorry, bro, but Jokic, his skill level, his ability at all three stages of the game, and, and the fact that he's getting better at defense, too, I just have never seen anybody. I'm pretty sure he's the best passer of all time right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure that he's the best passer of all time. Period. T- today. <clears throat> Period. All time. That dude is. Of anybody? Of anybody. Cut it out. I'm j- I, listen, man. <laughs> it's hard not to be like, especially. Listen, Cuts especially. Especially out. if he's they win a great one. passer. Dude, he are you saying is, for a big man or just I'm anybody? Saying he oh is his. I've never. What are we? What is this? I've never first seen, take, Mad I'm, Dog. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, hey, everybody plays a fool sometimes. Sometimes it might be. Jeez, Louise, buddy, is, and you're the opposite guy, of Mad Dog because Mad Dog guy, would say he, that he would say Bill Lambeer is the greatest <laughs> passer of all time. But here you are. <laughs> here DuPont, you are, DuPont, bro. But seriously, oh my gosh, what are we doing but here? Seriously, yeah, I'm serious. Magic Johnson, so you ever heard of him? I've heard of him. Oh my gosh, I've heard of him. Hey man, just because the Chris guy, Paul, you ever heard? Just Steve Nat. I think. Oh I think. God. I think that it's easy to look at those guys and say, "Oh, you know, here Magic, hey, he behind it, and Steve Nash with the little, you know, round the round the back passes and mm-hmm. shit." You even had Jason Williams doing the, off the elbow. Talk about I mean, Jason Kidd too. Jason while Kidd with the unbelievable. You ever heard of John Stockton? John Stockton. Yeah, talk about that the, guy, the best bounce passer of all time, uh-huh. of course. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Keep here's going. the thing, dude. But Nikola Jokic has all of that, and he's seven <laughs> feet, and he sees the game. I mean, just by sheer virtue, I, dude. I know that that sounds. Inf- I I know. You know me. I'm politically minded when I make my takes. It's almost you know nauseating that I never take a side, yeah. but. The man, this guy is special. He's special. Special. That, that special, I can agree special. with. And I don't think that they're going that the, the NBA, the field, if you will, is going to be able to cobble together anything that is going to be able to take the Denver Nuggets out in the least next year. I think they are odds on favorites to win the championship pretty handily like they did this year again next year. Yeah. I think they're I mean, it's I, I'm going to bet that they will repeat. It feels like that kind of thing for him. It's very difficult to go three, so I'm not going to put that kind of pressure on the franchise. But, I mean, legacy-wise, as far as Denver is concerned, he's he's the best nugget of all time now. So yeah. there's that. But I just, man, the guy is 27 years old. He's the best player in the league, and I don't need an MVP award to tell me that. And those numbers, bro. He's top twenty in assists, points, and he's rebounds great. in the he's playoffs great. already right now. He's great. I don't already have a, right he's now. He's great. He's great. He's an elite basketball player. There's no by the way, hold on, just for the right there's there there are I don't there may not be more than two or three dudes that are in the top like twenty in those three categories. Probably in LeBron. Playoffs. Probably LeBron, maybe a Jordan. Maybe a Jordan. 
Maybe not e- though. Either way, wise. great either talent. Way. Great talent. I'm, I am not here to to shit on Jokic. I he came just in hot won with that take, but man, yeah, but you were hot with that one. That was pretty hot. That's a that hot. One. hot. That was pretty hot. You tap the stove. That's hot. That was a hot one. That was a hot one. I wouldn't go that far. I think he's the best passer of I've, all time already. I wouldn't go that far. What I will say though is, I do think that we are in somewhat of a hype beast era. And you see what I'm wearing? I'm no hype beast. <laughs> and while, yes, I think Joker is arguably the most skilled big man I've ever watched play the game. I will go out that far and say that. It does not make wait, wait, him wait, the best big say man. Say that again. He may be the – let me actually – yeah, I'm glad you told me to say that again. Although Joker may be the most offensively skilled big man, you've big man play. that I've ever seen play, okay. I will – Give him that much praise, and that's high praise. So you know I'm not here to hate on the guy. We have had some incredible big men in the NBA on both sides of the basketball. Now, do I think Joker's now the best basketball player in the world today? Yep, sure do. And I talked about this on Justin's show. And that we're in agreement. I I, I talked about this on Justin Meyer's show the other day, and – we were talking about, you know, who the top player in the league is. And even if you take it to, like, all-time conversations, and one thing that I usually tend to hold in high regard, I did this with Giannis for a good while as well, is for a while I thought that Giannis Antetokounmpo was the best player in the league, not just just because of how good he is offensively, but the magnitude that he dominates both sides of the floor. When you think about a lot of the greatest of all-time players – they have a particular dominance and a particular presence on both sides of the floor, especially when it comes to winners in particular. Jordan was a lockdown defender along with what he could do offensively. LeBron was a dynamic defender along with what he could do offensively. Kobe Kobe. is the same. A lot of bigs, because they're just so damn big, they are usually good defenders because they take up so much space, they can get up and block shots because size is just something that you cannot teach. There does come a time where you have players that are just transcendent. I think Dirk was one of those players. That's why his championship with the Dallas Mavericks was so special because what Dirk could do and the tools that he had offensively during the time that he was doing it was unlike anybody in the league, and he was able to win with that transcendent skill set that he had as that stretch four with the turnaround J when a lot of guys weren't able to do that. You had a few. You had your Rasheed Wallaces that have come through, but – it wasn't a lot of guys that was able to do what Dirk Nowitzki was able to do at his size. Steph Curry, obviously, somebody who's not particularly known as a defender or as a two-way player, but the dude has a jump shot like we've never seen before in his offensive package, especially when it came to shooting the three ball in particular, transcended what guys can do on both sides of the floor. And now we have another example of that in Nikola Jokic, a guy who, yes, is a triple-double machine, a guy who can score at all three levels. He has touched like I've never seen before for a guy his size. He is a phenomenal passer. Not the greatest passer ever, but he's a phenomenal passer, and he's just really, really hard to stop on the offensive side of the floor. And for him to lack some of the – yeah, I got you. And for him to lack some of the athleticism that we would expect one of his skill set to have to be able to dominate in the way that he does speaks even more so to transcendent how how transcendent excuse me his offensive skill set is so I just think this is another moment in time where we have that we have the guy who you can't say is the all-time best but we have to start talking about when these transcendent players come along, especially because we all know the old models, defense wins championships. Again, I talked to all the great two-way players that have been able to dominate I, you know, and win in this league, but he's just, just one of those dudes. He's now put himself in that Dirk, do this Steph thing, category of a transcendent offensive talent. Yes, and I think but, that's enough. That's great praise to give him after winning his first championship. Okay, but here's the thing, though, man. With the Dirk situation, Dirk Nowitzki won a championship in 2011, and after that, I'm sure you remember, it was like 
that was like one, probably the greatest single performance we ever seen in history. Yeah, but it did not make him no top whatever player. Like nobody had that conversation. They for his only, position, they for his position, only had that. Con- no, 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 no. For his position, I, I'll argue this down because the only times that I remember in my life having conversations about and having Dirk be in the top is when he broke that top five all time scoring. Record. That's when that everyone championship was like, meant a lot for I, him no, as a power did, forward. It, it did, of course, it did. But as maybe the greatest offensive talent at that position, when they won that championship, who would you just, say as a I power forward was this. a greater offensive talent at that position than Dirk no Nowitzki? There, there was, was no, no one. one. I just mean I, I don't think I'm not. That, I'm not here to dispute that. I'm just saying that we do this thing where guys like that will have very storied careers, maybe get one championship, and then when you look back retroactively, you see, oh, that guy actually was building out being one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. And I just Joke think- is just a little different because he's already got two MVPs, too. True, and I mean that I'm matters. Just, I mean, he's putting he's, he's putting, putting together a hell of a resume, a career, and I just think I would not we're gonna look that. up. I think that we're gonna look up and be like, oh, Jokic is probably the best big man of all time. I think that that is his ceiling in his trajectory. Yeah, 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 I can see he, because I'm, I'm he's not, just entering his prime now. And I'm and, and I, what I was gonna say, I could argue down the passing argument, pass for pass, tip for tap, but that's not good podcasting, so I'm not gonna do it. But I'm just like. This guy, man, and, and, and look, and, and I'm not trying to take away from him. Jamal Murray, what an He's unbelievable story! He's got a good team around there. him. What an unbelievable story! Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon, the Which, list goes on. There's no Great such coach. thing as a bad championship good. team. So that's kind of my take on that. Like, Point if taken. we know who is clear cut the star and who put that team on their back, of course you're gonna have some help and some guys that are going to go and jump off your back and put a little less weight on it and go handle their own from time to time so you don't have to and try just, to drag them across the finish line. Well, I mean, that's and that's the we were talking about that, I think it was on the last podcast or the one before that, where it was like Miami, they have still kind of had that. I mean, it's Jimmy Butler, but, you know, that's what you need in a championship team. Look at the Boston Celtics. If you don't have clear de- definition of people in their roles. Yeah. Then you're not going to win. You're not going to be able to win for sure because a team like Denver is going to come along and be like, "Dude, we've been building this out. For we, dra- we drafted this guy, yeah, you know, for and sure. didn't even really play him his rookie year." So I just don't see that the rest of the field and the rest of the league, just because of how crazy everything's been the last few years in terms of like free agency and trading, I don't think anybody's going to be able to put anything together to beat them, bro. And I don't. I bet you that you would. Would you? Are you going to bet that the Nuggets are going to win the championship next year? Ah, uh, no. I'm not making any bet on next year until after see what happens. After yeah, we got a crazy summer on the horizon, and then I'll, I'll kind of get into that conversation. I'll just stick to the Nuggets have been the best team in the NBA this season from start to finish. They deserve the championship, and I think this accolade for Nikola Jokic has put him in the very fluid conversation, but it has put him to where he is now at the top of the list when it comes to the best player in the game. Last year it was Steph Curry. The year before that it was Giannis. Championships help boost you up a couple of spaces. While Jokic was winning championships, I wouldn't call him the best player because by that time, Giannis started winning. I mean, while he was winning MVPs, Jokic, excuse me. Um, by that time, Giannis started winning championships. Steph obviously had been winning championships and then came back and won another championship coming off of a year where he was the leading scorer in the entire league. So it's like now I can finally say for Nikola Jokic, I do believe he is the best basketball player in the world. And while, yes, I'm one that holds the two-way player and what guys can do on both sides of the ball in high regard when it comes to how I view and how I perceive who the best the best basketball player in the world may be, in Jokic's case, he's just a transcendent offensive talent. And sometimes you have that guy who's just so transcendent, again, Steph Curry, Won his two MVPs being transcendent offensively. With Dirk, yeah, Dirk didn't win MVPs, but Dirk got that finals MVP and won that title, and he was a transcendent offensive talent, and that's what allowed him to do so, in my opinion. It wasn't because he was getting off offensively and then locking up on the other end as well, which is a hard formula to beat. But every once in a while, you have these guys that are just so good offensively. And I think we're going to continue seeing those type of guys as the game continues to evolve. But I also think let the offseason play out. 
Yes, the Denver Nuggets are the champs. They are they're going to be the reigning champs going into next season. That second one is always harder than that it's first one, hard. though. And and I see it. A lot of moves will be made. A lot of big moves will be made this offseason. Not in Denver. Not in Denver, but that sometimes can hinder you from being able to get that second championship is how can we make just a little move, which is yeah, usually got, always a gamble, yes, but it can get us just a little bit better there, to be bro. able to get that second they're, one done. They're sad how do we there, lose bro. Ron Artest and gain or, or – and I think it actually happened twice. How do we lose Trevor Ariza and then get a Ron Artest? And then now we lose Ron Artest and we get a Trevor Ariza again. Like, it's just, it's all, sometimes it comes down to one move. That's true. That can make or break what it is that you ultimately Denver, become in a season. Denver is a, this good, season was is a good NBA city. I mean, I, I'm happy that they got one. That's very cool. It's good for the league when more franchises win chips. Yeah, you know no, saying? no, yeah, I think it's so great. It's great. And, and like I said, I, I just my my where I'm at with Joker's legacy today, in. and is, people tuned in for sure. For they sure, they got themselves a show. Yeah, Except he's got to win. He's got to win multiple championships yeah, for me to call Jimmy him the greatest. Butler shit. I, it, it was so funny. As he's like a Hall of Famer now, by the way, who? Jimmy Butler. Bow down. I You're going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's all Even fun. though you say you don't want to in the, in the interviews, going to the Hall of Fame. See you there. As a Blazer fan, I watched that game. At game five, I was like, damn. I like Jimmy so much, and watching him melt down was a tragedy, especially as a basketball fan. It just not really melting down, but he just didn't show up until, like, a 12-point run and then missed that final shot. But there was a part of me where I was like, man, that's so nice to see because that means that he could potentially – but he ain't going nowhere, you know. He, yeah, he's staying yeah, in yeah, Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, and, and you're talking about this offseason. I mean, I think it's worth mentioning the draft – Next week, and Portland sitting at three. You know, we could see some. Uh, we could see some action here in uh, Rip City. Yeah, that's a lot. A lot's gonna shake and bake, man. And another thing that I'll say about the Denver Nuggets is I am still a little bit concerned about how healthy they can be, especially knowing the history of health issues they've had. And of course, sometimes it's freak accidents like. We get it. But this is a team who I think has been plagued with health and actually lost out on opportunities to be able to get back to this point and ultimately win championships. They might have already lost out on a championship due to the injuries and the, the injury history that they've had. Now that you've played a, a lengthier season than anybody else in the league and you're going to have a quicker turnaround going into next season and you've already had a, not the greatest history with health – I wonder how that could impact and affect them going into next season. And again, this is a team that they got to kind of beat you up a bit while they're a complete team and they've got guys that can do a little bit of everything that can bring the pieces together and make that thing whole. And now here they are, the NBA champions. They are not. I still don't believe that they're a team with a particular identity. I think that they're the a team. Nuggets? They're a team that has a transcendent player and he has complimentary pieces around him. They don't I don't look at them as this team is so dominant at doing that thing. You get what I'm saying? The Warriors were so with that. the Warriors were so dominant at shooting the basketball. What's their identity then? I think that they are a transition basketball team. And when they play half-court offense, they play the two-man game with a high pick-and-roll between Jamal. That's their half-court offense, and they're trying their best not to get there because they're a transition team. It's lead passes. It's run fast. It's don't it's don't they, try to again, take the three. They go team. to the rim in transition. See, that's a that that's that's, that's their, they're a transition. That's more than an team. that's more than an identity to me, though. My thing is shrink that down to three words: run and gun. I don't I don't think they're that. I think they're a team that can run and gun, but I don't think they particularly beat you by running and gunning. I think that they're a team that can get out. They again, they're a complete team. I so I'm not saying I that, think that's their main I, focus I as an offense. I don't offense, know. I don't is know. Trying to run. I think it's playing through Joker. <laughs> that's no, what I, I know. and no, he's saying, not a runner, but that's but he's, he's skilled. But he, he, he's so skilled. Lead passes, it's yeah. get a rebound, it's push the basketball, it's try but to make good in the half in court set too. And when he of course, I mean that's the that's the fail safe. They're, they're, that's yeah. the fail safe. Yeah, but I don't think they're I don't 
they're, I don't think run and gun is going to be the way that they win multiple championships. No, no, that's no, what I mean no by an identity team is built to do that. But but I, but that's what I'm saying. The Warriors multiple. were able to shoot threes so well that it. Of course, again, a championships. Most championship teams are complete teams. All championship teams are great teams. Yeah, we know the Warriors could defend, but the Warriors did something offensively that we just knew was nobody's going to be able to beat that ever. If we're just banking it on, this team is a complete team with just this great player. But I I don't see a thing where it's like, damn, they just got too many guys that can do said thing, and it's just going to be too so hard weapons. to overcome. Too many weapons. Yeah, I, I don't see the Nuggets as that yet. I'm not going to give them that I, much I, credit I, after winning one championship. I just, mean, I just mean in terms of like their identity. Like, I mean, Jokic doesn't even like he doesn't like playing basketball, dude. Yeah, I don't. I, I, he he would be much happier in his life if he's like, oh, if every time I get a rebound, I can just lead pass and somebody's just gonna take it all the way. I get an assist, we get the two points, and I just get set back on defense. I'm sure that that's the perfect world that he wants to live in. His big ass don't want to be running up and down that court. They can getting, run getting and gun. I, I, I agree, they can run and gun. I don't know if I would say their identity is running gun though. I just think they got a fucking phenomenal player in Joker. And he is so good, and this is where I do agree with his passing ability and his skill set. He's so good that he can make passes as a big guy and as a big man because he's so skilled and he has the size that a lot of people cannot make. I would agree with that. Yeah. But I wouldn't particularly say, like, man, this is a team, running gun team full of slashers where it's just they are going to slice you and dice you in transition, but they've got a guy. They've got a guy who they can play through that, that allows them to that allows them I mean, to that do is that what also. They are though, Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, KCP, they're yeah, either I, stopping I, I and popping or they're taking it all the way to the rim, drawing fouls. They're pretty good in the half court, man. Like I because said, I, I think Jokic, because, because of, and, of I, and that's the point Exclu- that I'm ultimately I mean, getting at. I'm not and, saying and they can't run. Jamal Murray. I'm not saying they can't run. I'm saying because I won't they, go as far as calling that their identity, especially to win multiple well, because, championships. Because it's like it's the, a little different. If there. You, a, a, a team like the Golden State Warriors is a team that can beat them because they're just better shooters. I mean, that, yeah. the three is more than the two. For so sure. they can beat them. So that's the team that I would say is the sleeper to come out of the West outside of Denver. Yeah, I but think I they'll mean, make a big move this offseason. I think sure. it's Golden State and Denver are going to be the two. Are going to be the two. But, but yeah, I think. That's my prediction. For sure. I think with a team like. I still think a healthy Milwaukee gets it done. They just oh, in the East. In the East, I still think. I think I'm they still, need to switch up. I think a guy probably like Middleton, Middleton can go. Chris Middleton, Middleton can go, but yeah. the reason he can go is because he can't stay healthy. Not because he ain't good enough, and right. he can't help them to get a championship. We've seen that before, but I do think them healthy, like their their size, yeah. their His size value. period is, and obviously again, Denver's got a team with good size as well. But that size that they have, along with the skill that goes along with that size, is a little different. Denver's got the the most skilled guy with a lot of size out there, and then they got other guys that play their roles. Aaron Gordon <laughs> is not the greatest I mean, scorer, dog, we but were... can defend his ass off. And I as a big God, guy who Zeb, can defend, find the different. episode a few months ago when this guy was talking about Joel Embiid being the most offensively skilled big man because his his face up package. I swear it's in there, Zeb. I know you said that too because I, 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 I if mean, I did I, say it, I don't regret it. <laughs> I it's mean, Joel Embiid. We're talking about a guy who just won the MVP. Yeah, he did. Like, I don't – shit, you don't – it's not embarrassing me for <laughs> to, to say that. Joker has proven to be that. He had to prove it, and he did it. And, and again, it's not like that wasn't a tight race in itself either when it came to Joker and Embiid. I think Joker – you know, I, and I think I always was more so the guy that said that I, I was always Embiid leaning because what did I say earlier? He's a two-way player. Yeah. Joel Embiid is a two-way player. Joker is not particularly that. So that's why up until Joker finally went and won this championship, I was more Embiid-leaning with my stance. But I obviously knew how great of a player Joker was. But I needed him to figure out a way to win with the tools he had. And I more so believe traditionally a two-way skill set can help you win more than a transcendent skill set. 
Joker just proved to be that damn special and that tra- that transcendent offensively. He's not a and bad defender is. either. I mean, he had something like fifty or so. Well, Steph Curry the led the league in steals before, and yeah. we don't call him a yeah, great defender. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's you just got to get the job. You just got to get the job like, done, like and that's Love, how he gets it done. Like Kevin Love <laughs> on Steph in 2018, that final play when he just like that, just get it done. Just get it done. Just dude. get it done. <laughs> just for sure. Stop. For sure, just get it done. Um, on some good news, before we get into some news that actually just came out about an hour before we started recording this, but I will start with the good news here, um, and it's basketball-related. Um, and I got this statement from Senator Wyden's team. Senator Wyden, Senator Wyden is hearing from people high up in the basketball business that Portland is making good progress on getting a WNBA team. And he's hoping and working to hear later this year that Portland will be one of the new WNBA franchises. Bravo. Clap it up for that. I'll take it. Good news to hear. It is good news to hear. And the reason why I like Wyden a lot is because he's really good at, like, sticking with the story. Yeah, I'm saying he knows how to stick with the story. For sure, yes, he does, and, and that is that is key and to getting shit done. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> you know? no, and he show he's shown me that because I interviewed a guy so much, and obviously, you know, I just got published last week talking about Brittany Griner's return, but I had been speaking and interviewing Senator Wyden back when she was detained, and he, you know, he uh, sponsored that quote that uh, bipartisan Senate resolution demanding for her to be released and to come back here to the United States, which I still say I think had a lot of influence on why the Biden administration ultimately made the decision that they made, amongst other things, of course. Um, you know, advocacy, activism, women's sports, and women going out and taking a strong stance for their sister and Brittany Griner. Like, it wasn't the only thing, but I think it was a thing that came into the equation that led Brittany Griner back here to the mainland. But what I will say is... uh Wyden, when I interviewed him about Griner's return and got my statement from him about Brittany Griner's return, one thing that he said, you know, he obviously was happy that Griner was back and he couldn't wait to see her on the basketball floor. And he said all those things, but he made sure to loop, loop it back in to, and by the way, and I'm paraphrasing here, go read the article if you want to hear what and see what he said word for word. It's on streetroots.org if you want to check that out. But, um, yeah, he basically came and said, like, and by the way, this is why a WNBA team, we should have a WNBA team here in Oregon because this was a state that stood up for Brittany Griner. Obviously, you know, with what we do in women's sports, we have had great success with women's sports here in this market, but he made sure to let it be known, and he was not shy. And I wrote it just like that. He was not shy about letting it be known that, the way that Oregon stood up for Brittany Griner, obviously him having some influence in that, being our senator representing this state on a federal level and being the sponsor for this bipartisan Senate resolution amongst, again, so many women from Oregon that stood up for Griner. The way Oregon stood up for Griner was another reason why he felt like we are a prime market to have a WNBA team here. So, I would agree wholeheartedly with that, man. He sticks with the story and what could have almost seemed tasteless in some ways. I don't think it was tasteless. Let me just start by there. But for some people, that's like, oh, he just got to make this Britney Griner story about because it's bringing up the yeah, you know what I'm saying? He's got to make it right back about the WNBA coming to Portland and this and that because that's his agenda so far, so on, so be it. But I, I think that's actually more genuine, that he's letting it be known, the stance that he's taking. And again, I think there was a connective piece there, so I don't take it. I didn't look at it as that, but there's people that kind of speculate in that kind of a way. But I actually take it as more genuine that he didn't just give me this generic answer about Griner, even though he did put in work to, I believe, influence her release and her return back to the United States. But he also, beyond that, stuck to his guns and what it is that he's trying to do out here and and why it is that he's trying to do it because it's not like a monolithic thing here. Like you can have 
multiple reasons to trying to trying to achieve something. You can take multiple paths in trying to achieve something. He obviously hosted Kathy Engelbert here already. Then in most recent news, he had upwards of 140 local businesses sign a letter that they sent to the WNBA commissioner in support for a WNBA team being here in the market. So I, I love that he he stands on his square and He's making a hard push to get that team here, man. Hey, man, I, I, whoever sits, at, you know what I'm saying, and represents, you know, the state, it's like you are you have to be a conduit, I think, of progressing women's sports, particularly basketball, because, I mean, we've been talking about it all the time. It's like this is a hooping-ass state. Yeah. Like it just is. And yeah. I know that people, you know, like it's a funny thing to make fun of sometimes. I mean, you know, shout out to the professor from Kaiser, Oregon. You know, there's a, there is a there is a thing about Oregon basketball that people, you know, ha ha at sometimes. But it's like yeah. there are hoopers out here. For sure. And For that sure. needs to be reflected. And so I just thought that, you know, what I'm saying I just think that what's going on with. What did he say at the press conference? We got some young women rebounding in Roseburg and what, what oh, other yeah, cities yeah, yeah. Fallon and Forest Grove. Fallon and Forest <laughs> Flagrant fouls from Forest Grove. And, nah, he's on with <laughs> hey, Oh, man. man. Hey, yeah, bro. that was funny. That was funny. <laughs> Depressor. Yeah, for those of you, he just was using, like, all of these basketball terms, but he was – Matching nice, the first uh, word of the basketball term to young ladies and what it is that they're doing in the first letter of were, Oregon were, cities. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was, yeah, yeah it was. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of something, bro. I'll go back there. It's all on record. It's all on tape. It's on tape. It's on tape for <laughs> so sure. I wish I could have prepared myself to have that tape right here, right now, because it's probably in my phone, to be it's honest with there. you. I recorded some of it, so it's, um, there, it's probably there, but no, nah, that, was, that was a pretty funny uh, thing. But, again, salute to Senator Wyden, man. I appreciate what he does here, um, you know, obviously as as a senator, you know. And this is actually going to be a segue because Senator Wyden is somebody who I voted for who was reelected in the most recent elections. And um, I'm, I'm using that as a segue, and I'll, I'll give you context before I connect it all here with you. So stay with me. Um, we got news today about an hour before this podcast that Chief Sarah Boone, who is the first African-American woman to be the fire chief here in the city of Portland, Oregon, has announced that she will be retiring in coming weeks. Um, I want to start off with a congratulations, first of all, for all that she has put in as a frontline worker as a black woman, um, to be able to show generations to come behind her that you actually be, can accomplish this feat of becoming a black woman in as prominent of a position as she was able to make it to, a fire chief in a major city, that's no small feat. Um, all the blood, sweat, tears, and commitment that she's put in of her, I think she's been, I, I think she actually, if I'm remembering correctly, she was the first black firefighter, black woman firefighter in the city of Portland more than 30 years ago. And then ultimately 30 years later became the birth, the first black woman as a fire chief in the city of Portland. So she's got a rich history when it comes to the work that she's done in Portland fire. And before I get into sort of my speculative bag here and then ultimately connect it to what I was talking about, um, I want to give her a big congratulations. I think she's earned every bit of retirement based on what it is that she's been able to accomplish. Now. Work sucks. Go fishing. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Enjoy every bit of it. You deserve it, Chief Boone. I, I'm so happy to know you, to have had many interactions with you, to have worked alongside with you, to make history in this city on other fronts as well. Like, super happy for Chief Boone. Now, with that said, we obviously have a new city council that had that begun this year in 2023, because that's when you take your seats coming off of the 2022 elections. And I obviously work at Street Roots and we have played a big role in the creation of Portland Street Response. 
Portland Street response falls under Portland's Fire Bureau. And in recent news, we have been doing a lot of advocacy work on behalf of Portland Street response because a lot of funding and resources have been taken away from Portland Street response. Now, it hasn't necessarily been taken away. The funding, especially in particular, hasn't necessarily been taken away from the program Portland Street Response itself, it's been taken from, taken from the Fire Bureau, which oversees and houses Portland Street Response because Portland Street Response, the program, falls under the Fire Bureau. So my belief, and this is all speculative, I haven't spoken to anybody, but I do this work. I know Chief Boone. I've had conversations with Chief Boone. Chief Boone was a keynote speaker at one of our Street Roots family breakfasts. The relationship is there. But my belief is that the targeting, if you will, of Portland's fire department, especially in connection with Portland Street Response and more, I'm not just making this all about PSR, but PSR is something that I've worked on and that's very near and dear to my heart and has been a part of her legacy as well as fire chief. And I think it's something that she really cared about. Um, obviously it's something that commissioner Hardesty cared about first black woman to be on city council who was voted out of a not, well, she, she lost in the, in the most recent elections and was not reelected into her seat on city council. And I know those two had a pretty good working relationship, especially with the roles that they played as black women here in this market and working in tandem her with fire and obviously commissioner Hardesty was over fire in her role as city commissioner. And we've had a hard pivot in that particular seat. And in that hard pivot, fire has been losing funding, has been losing money in their budget, has been having to make very, very hard decisions in regards to a program like Portland Street Response that has a direct effect and impact on our most vulnerable neighbors, which are ones that live out on the streets. I do believe, aside from all the great work that she's done that has led her to deserve to retire whenever in the world she decided that she wanted to retire, it would be hard for me to sit here and say that I do not believe that what this council has already been doing and plans to do with the fire bureau that oversees Portland street response has had somewhat of an influence for her deciding to retire. Now, I do believe that I believe that she has been put in an unfair position because again, something that she was trying to have as a part of her legacy as fire chief has been receiving a lot of backlash and obviously has not been receiving support from city council. And she has had to answer to things in a way, or not answer to things, make sure you, you keep that in mind. She has had to answer to things or not answer to things because she is not in alignment with the decisions that are being made that are being made above her in city council. And I think that that definitely could have some influence on why it is she is no longer going to be working with fire and has decided now is the time for me to retire. Now, how do I connect that back to Senator Wyden? I'll never forget. It was a conversation that me, you, and the homie Nathan was having. And we were talking about this was around election season. Shout out to Nathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was around election season. And we were just Nathan talking about voting and, you know, who we would vote for, why we would vote for them, this and that. And I was big on voting my interest. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care what your political leanings are. But... Here's what I'm interested in, and I think you should vote this way because this if it doesn't go this particular way, certain things are going to change pretty drastically and things that are part of even my own personal legacy. And I was just kind of giving y'all insight. Remember, remember that? We were at, outside of Nathan's house, and yeah. I was just giving y'all insight from me based on the work that I do. I'm voting for this person because it is. I'm voting for that person because of that. And y'all were just like, man, but why? And I'm like, because this would impact this and that would impact that. And I feel like, again, Senator Wyden, somebody I voted for and somebody who I obviously have a, a connection with, 
I'm voting for him because there are certain things that I'm interested in that he supports, <laughs> quite frankly. I'm voting my interest there. When it came to the whole Hardesty thing, I kind of told y'all, like, if Hardesty don't get reelected, a lot of shit's going to go haywire. And I think we are now at that point in time where my particular interest in who I wanted to win that council seat did not happen, and we are starting to see things go haywire. And I think this is the ramifications of of it. And I think this is a part of that. So while I do again, want to make this a congratulatory and happy moment and a well-deserved moment for chief Boone, it's hard for me to not speculate that some of the things that are starting to shake out and through it with city council, I don't think it aligns with who she is and what her legacy is and things that she has been proud of to be able to have an impact and influence on as the fire chief. And with that, it's just that time to go. And that's just the way I see it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like I've seen, I've had a little bit more insight than most on how things have shaken out because of the work that I do. And yeah, man, I, I, I just hate that. This had to be the point that she almost, I feel, again, I could be totally wrong. I haven't heard this from anybody. This is all me. But I feel she sort of might have got pushed to this point a little sooner than she may have planned. It's just my belief. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, again, that's not my organization's belief. That's not... Any, I haven't had any conversations with anybody else since I read this news. I read this news because I'm a journalist and I follow platforms that that produce and publish news. And it was just an hour before I started podcasting. So I decided to come right here on the microphone and speak about it directly. Because, again, this is somebody that I've been able to grow a relationship with and somebody who I think is super dope. I'm super proud to know her. Again, she she was very supportive of our organization's efforts and advocacy efforts from our organization. She would come visit the offices. She would come speak with the vendors in the offices. Again, she was a keynote speaker at one of our, um, you know, family breakfast fundraisers. Like, we had a good relationship and obviously still will have a good relationship with her going forward. But with recent happenings in city council, uh, I don't feel so great about it. Might be time to do a podcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would be willing to do an exit interview with her for sure. That's <laughs> what it is. She's exiting stage left. And, and again, it, it, fortunately, it's for on her own decision that she made that decision. But be again, hard. it would be, be hard. hard for me to believe that, you know, some of the decisions being made by city council didn't influence her decision. But again, congratulations on retirement. Before we get out of here, one last thing. Um, let's talk a little bit of music. I let you listen to a record today um, that I've been pumping all week long. Killer Mike, Andre 3000 and Future. Um, it's called Scientists and Engineers. But Killer Mike's got a project coming out tonight. And I'm going to just go out here and say it. I think it's going to be the best hip-hop album that we get this year. Well, I mean, I've only heard that one song, but those are three of the probably top 25 best rappers of all time on and one yo, song. And he's and, got some fire. he's got heaters. He's it, got it, some fire. It's I mean, going to be a rapping-ass record, I'm sure of it. So. I think it's, I see, I think it's, yes, that too, but I think it's going to be a musical-ass record. Hmm. I, I don't think Killer Mike gets enough credit because he's such an elite bar spitter. I think, really man, no. I, but I can just tell you, I, I don't know the producers, but I can tell you some features. CeeLo Green, mm, Mozzie, Young Thug, Duggar's Black, Duggar's. that's musical, music. you know what I mean? Black, Jagged Edge. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Andre 3000 and Future, of course, that's musical. Currency and 2 Chains, Blast, that's music, like... I think this is going to be a tie dollar sign. And singers. You know what I mean? A lot of singers. But but I think Killer Mike is musical. I think I think his contents are more like rapidy rap content when it comes to like the bars (laughs) that he spits and and his delivery, his flow. He that verse was spectacular. That's probably the most spectacular verse I've heard all year. Yo, he is like that. He's really like that. But see, I also was a person. Back in 2020, I would go as far to say my favorite album in 2020 was Run the Jewels 4. Like, 
that project was elite, elite to me. And that's him and LP. Obviously, LP is another feature. You know, his his partner in their group run the jewels. LP will be on this project as well. Bro, you want to know what it is, bro, straight up. Talk to me. Every time that I be at a party and it's like white dudes, if every time I hear a white guy be like, oh, I'm going to show you some like real, like I'm going to give you like the best rap of all time. Yes. It's always yeah. run the jewel. It's yeah. always really. run the jewel. Yeah. And they always like the LP parts. I'm like, you guys, yeah. dude. <laughs> dude what Killer do Mike is, a, is an assassin on these records. I'm like, what are you guys doing to us out there, man? You need to stop stop that. Stop, if you're white, stop showing people Run the Jewels. All right? We know Run the Jewels. Stop that madness. Oh, man. Yeah, Killer Mike is the one. He is the jewel, damn And I know that's no shade to LP. They work great together. He's a great producer, and he can spit, and he's, he makes good music. And together, it's they like, complement each bro. other. But Killer Mike is him. And I think this project is going to be him and not them. And uh, I think we got something on our hands that I can't wait. I can't listen to the project right at 9 p.m. tonight because, you know, it's midnight on Friday's East Coast time, which but means we get at 9 p.m. West Coast time. But I'll be DJing at that time. But on my ride home... Let's I know go. what I'm listening to. All right, well, let's go to Bible Club. Let's do it, man. On that note, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and, and go, go in. Woke.